to see everybody. Good to worship together as we join our voices praising the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray before we look into God's word. Father, we thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for just the multitude of songs that people have written <clears throat> over the ages to praise you and worship you. And Lord, we now ask you to help us as we look into your word, to help us to understand better, deeper, more about you, so that we can just offer everything that we have to you and live for you and honor you and be thankful to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> you know, last week we talked about the pull or the undue influence that a wealthy culture like ours can have on us as Christians. You know, to live in a place in such abundance can really, as you know, distract us from keeping our sights on Christ, who we can't see, and then living for him and by his values, which we don't see his values so much in our world. Because we want to be faithful, we want to be dedicated, we want to be spiritually minded, but then we have, especially in our culture, all these roadblocks that get into our pathway. And we have these roadblocks of you know, desiring to be wealthy or very successful or known, well-known across the land for our work. To have people kind of admire us for our success. How do we look? How do people, what do people think of me? Or, you know, to buy that bigger house or the better car or the more appliances or whatever. And it's because we constantly see those attractions everywhere we go, everywhere we turn. It's just the current that we're swimming in or living in. And it's hard to paddle your canoe or your kayak against a strong current, isn't it? <clears throat> Sometimes it's even impossible when you're actually in the water. But, you know, last week in Revelation chapter 17, an angel came up to the Apostle John and began to tell him about this, what they called, what the Bible said is a great prostitute, like this greatly horrible prostitute who had committed adultery with the kings of the earth. That's what the angel said to the Apostle John. <clears throat> and this, this prostitute had enticed the most powerful kings, most powerful people of the earth to come and join in her wickedness. And she had favors for them when they would come. She was sitting on a beast. That was the, that was the vision that John was seeing. She was sitting on a beast covered with blasphemous names. And that would be names that would slander God, that spoke evil or shamefully of God. So here was this beast begging people to come or inviting people to come, you know, and take of the, of the good things. But she had these names that were blasphemous to God. Now, this prostitute turned out to be not a person, you know, as John was seeing this vision. It turned out to be a city. 
And it was the city of Rome from the powerful first century Roman Empire. And they called it Babylon in the Bible because Babylon became the name for places of wickedness because of the reputation of ancient Babylon back in 600 BC, right around that time, King Nebuchadnezzar and the other kings that came after him, <clears throat> excuse me, a very, very wealthy uh, kingdom that conquered all other, so many other kingdoms and brought them into their fold. And so one thing we read last week from Revelation 17, <clears throat> excuse me, He says, the name written on her forehead, and this was this, this uh, prostitute, this harlot, that, the vision that John saw, the name written on her forehead was a mystery. And it said, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. <clears throat> so the apostle John saw in a vision as an angel was explaining to him that this wickedly immoral woman who represented Rome was sitting on a beast covered with blasphemous names and it said that she was drunk with the blood of God's holy people. So she was getting drunk in the persecution and killing of God's people. And we know that many Christians lost their lives during this time of the Roman Empire Christians suffered horrible persecution under Roman rule. And we've heard stories about them being used as lampposts when they pour tar on them and, and put them up on a, on a stake and they burn them in the streets. <clears throat> so it was a very, very wicked time against God's people and against God. But also in chapter 17, we discover that the beast, she was sitting on or the beast that the harlot was sitting on turns out to be, as we keep reading, turns out to be the dragon, Satan, the Antichrist, the beast from the sea, and then the beast from the earth, which is Satan's counterpart to the Holy Spirit. It actually was the beast that she was sitting on was actually the unholy trinity Satan's counterfeit to God. So the prostitute, the wicked city of Rome, called Babylon, teamed up with Satan and his beast from the sea, the Antichrist, and the beast from the earth, to draw all the kings from the earth into their trap. And it says the beast, <clears throat> excuse me, it says that we kept reading, the beast will destroy the prostitute at some point. We're looking at the end times. And so the beast joined with the prostitute to get what they wanted. And then at some point, he's going to destroy the prostitute. And that is how Satan works. He uses people to accomplish his evil, and then he just throws them away when they're no, not useful anymore. Or he has some other plan. Now, chapter 18 of Revelation tells us why we should never allow ourselves to buy into the world's success plan when it takes our focus off of Christ, off of God. We can be successful, but if our success or the pathway of success 
takes our focus off of Christ, that's when it gets wrong. <clears throat> so I want you to look with me, if you will, at the first three verses of chapter 18 of Revelation. And here's John's further vision. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen! Fallen is Babylon the great! She has become a dwelling for demons, and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. <clears throat> the angel is proclaiming, prophesying the great downfall of Rome. He tells how the city has become a haunt. He's, he's seeing into the future. And he's telling how the city is going to become a haunt for impure spirits and unclean animals. Right now, you know, the lady is sitting on this beast and they're having the, the greatest time. But he says it's going to become this desolate, dark, uh, disgusting place with impure spirits and unclean animals. You know, the Roman Empire in the first century... Here's a quote from outside the Bible. <clears throat> it said, The Roman Empire in the first century A.D. mixed sophistication with brutality and could suddenly switch from civilization, strength, and power to terror, tyranny, and greed. <clears throat> that was the Roman Empire. It became a place of rampant materialism, rampant immorality, and depravity, and then religious apostasy against God. Rome's material wealth attracted wholesale dealers from all over to sell their merchandise and then engage in debauched drunkenness. <clears throat> Rome grew wealthy off of conquered nations that they brought into their fold. They took their goods their merchant class grew rich. The government became abusive, imposing heavy taxation to support the, the high living of the bureaucracy. That's just kind of like human nature, isn't it? For leaders, if they're not controlled by God, to, to go down that pathway. The goods were moved out of provinces where the common people lived to support the elite. All commerce moved toward Rome, the city itself, or, you know, of the empire, which tended to support the power structure. The wealthy gained power over all agriculture, commercial goods, and used them to profit their cities, whereas the commoners were barely maintaining subsistence living. We're just describing Babylon or ancient Rome in the first century. And we're talking about how the kings of the earth were drawn to this. And as we move further into this chapter, it will largely focus on the sins of Rome and their pride and their luxurious living. So look with me as we read, as we keep reading. <clears throat> well, let me start here again. 
It becomes a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. <clears throat> God is calling his people out. For his sin, her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double. This is the voice from heaven is saying. He's talking about God, what God's going to do. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Pour her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart, she boasts, I sit enthroned as queen. I am not a widow. I will never mourn. <clears throat> Therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire. For mighty is the Lord God who judges her. <clears throat> you know, what we're seeing is we're seeing Rome of that time, calling it Babylon, but we're seeing from that setting what is going to happen in the future. And there is going to be a revived Roman Empire in the future, but he's looking at the present Rome and he's seeing what's happening and what's going to happen in the future. But different parts of both the Old Testament and New Testament warn God's people to separate from those engaging in evil. And by that, we're not talking about shunning unsaved people just because they're not Christians. We don't want to do that. We're talking about not joining in on evil behavior. The elite class in Rome was engaging in abusing the poor and empowering the rich. You know, if you were in a situation like that as a Christian <clears throat> and you were watching that happen, it could be tempting for some Christians who maybe knew people that had the power or were invited because certain skill or knowledge, it could be tempting for a Christian to join that winning team that was abusing the poor and have a taste of that luxurious living while it would be cheating the poor and the marginalized. You know, some believers, because of their skill or special knowledge, may get asked to come and help this team. And they may make it sound real attractive. Of course, it would be attractive. But you know that joining the winning team will hurt the poor. And it could be an offer that's difficult to turn down. And that's the challenge for Christians in a society even like ours. But like this that they were talking about in that first century Rome. But the voice from heaven says to them, tells those Christians, come out of her, my people. Don't share in her sins so that you won't receive her plagues because 
Judgment is about to come upon Babylon, Rome. We're talking about the end times. Now, you know, as we sit here in the church with a room full of Christians, we can't imagine ourselves joining that cheating team. But how about in the face of a strong temptation to become part of the privileged? You know, to get that nice, big, fat, juicy raise. To move up into leadership. To be able to support your family better with more income. To be a part of the ruling class or the elites. It can be tempting, can't it? But what he's saying here, he says, don't do it. And he's talking about that situation, you know, where you're seeing... Babylon as stomping on the poor. And you see people sometimes go over to the, to the wrong side and they're hurting other people. And after a while, they can't take it anymore and they come back and they give testimonies how they shouldn't have done it. So we have to resist temptations like that that come if they come to us. Maybe they don't come to us in that way where we're living But maybe they will, and maybe they do. But we have to remember, come out of her, my people. Don't share in her sins. Don't get involved in something that hurts other people. And so now we're going to look at three groups of people who were heavily invested in Babylon or Rome, making lots of money, becoming very wealthy, and see the judgments that are going to come. It says, when the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her. So here are the kings of the earth that have come to Babylon and they're just, you know, joining that team, hurting poorer people, becoming rich, friends with all those others who were doing the same thing. And now they're, seeing a, now they're seeing the judgment coming upon Babylon. They see the smoke of her burning. They will weep and mourn over her. Terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry, Woe, woe to you, great city, you mighty city of Babylon. In one hour your doom has come. He's talking about the end times. The kings of the earth are all going to, so many of the kings of the earth are going to join in with end time Babylon and join in her wealth and immorality and join in stepping on others to get rich for themselves. And here they are. The plagues are coming. God is is judging them. And they see Babylon burning from a distance. And they're thinking, Whoa, Babylon, everything we've been living for. It's the end of their ill-gotten gain. It's their end of this avenue of wealth. And they've just devoted, devoted themselves to it. It's the end of their hobnobbing with the rest of the Royal Boys Club as they trample on common people. They're watching it go up in smoke. 
Woe, woe to you, great city, you mighty city of Babylon. In one hour your doom has come. So they went for probably quite a while of reaping the benefits of their immorality. And then in one hour it's gone. You know, as I see this, the kings of the earth, you know, playing with the harlot, joining with the harlot of Babylon that stomps on people and hurts the poor, hurts the innocent people. You know, it kind of seems similar to something that happened in our land not all that long ago in America. A boys club that seemed to be taking immoral privileges that were illegal and very, very harmful to others. And somehow they seem to be getting away with it for such a long time. Until the ringleader was finally caught, put in jail, and a couple of weeks later, found dead. That's kind of like what we're talking about. That type of thing. Where some people are having the time of their life and others are getting stomped on. I can imagine some of the other kings in this boys group were crying and saying more than woe, woe as people were getting arrested. And it doesn't seem most of those kings have been brought to justice yet. But they will be, unless they repent and turn to God. But in God's timing, all of that evil will be punished, just like those kings who reveled in their evil and then mourned over their, their loss. So those are the kings of the earth who joined in with Babylon. Now we'll look at the second group, the merchants who became ultra-wealthy off of Babylon, bringing the goods. It says, the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. You know, Babylon is destroyed and they've lost their income. Listen to all that they were involved in. Cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple silk and scarlet cloth, every sort of citron wood, and articles of every kind made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cargoes of cinnamon and spice, of incense, myrrh and frankincense, of wine and olive oil, of fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and human beings sold as slaves. They will say, the fruit you long for is gone from you. All your luxury and splendor have vanished, never to be recovered. You know, these cargoes that these merchants were bringing in from all over the world, in Babylon... They were gaining great wealth because of Babylon, the city that, where everything was dispensed and everything was bought and sold. And they had gold from Spain and the Balkans. They had precious stones from India. They had luxurious fabrics 
that could bring in 7,000 denarii for one tunic, and a, denar a denarius was one day's work and cost 7,000 for one, one tunic. And these people were able to buy that kind of stuff. They got expensive wood and building materials from North Africa, ivory, and from Syria, bronze from Corinth, iron from Greece and Spain, marble from Africa, Egypt, and Greece, spices and perfumes from Africa, India, and Somalia, food items. Rome was notorious for extravagant banquets. Emperor Vitellius spent the equivalent of $20 million one year on banquets. Delicacies. <clears throat> this is going to make your mouth water. Tons of nightingales. Breasts of doves. Wine from Sicily. Olive oil from Spain. The extravagance lived out in Rome caused hardship on much of the rest of the empire. Animals and slaves. Very expensive, carefully bred horses for chariot races. And Rome imported incredible numbers of slaves. So again, <clears throat> it says the merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at her torment. They will weep and warm and cry out, Woe, woe to you, great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Every um, We'll stop there for a second. So you can see how much wealth and how much earthly pleasure Babylon was bringing to the whole world. And you can see that the kings were, were taking advantage of that. And the, <clears throat> the merchants were taking advantage of that. And they were traveling. This was their whole life, and they were living rich. And others were getting pounded on, you know, getting grounded into the ground because it was hurting them, the way that these people were living. And then we have the sea captains who were involved in all this trade. It says, every sea captain and all who travel by ship, the sailors and all who earn their living from the sea will stand far off. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will exclaim, was there ever a city like this great city? They will throw dust on their heads and with weeping and mourning cry out, Woe, woe to you, great city, where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth. In one hour she has been brought to ruin. So all three of these categories of people, kings, merchants, sea captains, they earned their lavish living by teaming up with evil Babylon. And Babylon, who ruled in extravagance, who lived in great wealth, who stomped on the common people so they could live as the elite, who cared not for those under their authority, but one day it will all come to an end and one day, everyone will have to answer for what anything we've done. And anyone who becomes a part of Babylon and cares not for God or his rule, it's all going to end 
not going to end very pretty. <clears throat> but now look at verse 20. This is to God's people who don't join in. Rejoice over her, you heavens. Rejoice, you people of God. Rejoice, apostles and prophets, for God has judged her with the judgment she imposed on you. You know, I have heard a number of speakers, uh, you know, preachers, speakers, say something to this effect. I've read the end of the book, and we win. And that is true, but I think we also have to be prepared for what happens before we win. And so, just to think that there's just a win at the end of the road could set us up for a little bit of trouble. So there's going to be an unpleasant time before we win. But for anyone who's in Christ, in the end, we will be rejoicing like we've never before rejoiced. Anything we've enjoyed here, when we get into the kingdom, when we become redeemed fully, it will be rejoicing way beyond anything we've seen. And it will never stop. And so now let's end our passage here for the last four verses. <clears throat> and this is the end, you know, this is the end time and this is the end of Babylon right here. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea. And that's one of those great big millstones that you, you tie a donkey to and he, he drags it around to grind the wheat. He threw it into the sea and said, with such violence, you know, this, the, city of, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. The music of harpists and musicians, pipers and trumpeters, will never be heard in you again. No worker of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride will never be heard in you again. Your merchants were the world's important people. By your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. In her was found the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people, of all who have been slaughtered on the earth. <clears throat> So, may we remember the very end and we, how we are going to be rewarded and the greatness that we're going to find in Christ. And may we <clears throat> resist the temptation to join in anything that's not good, even if it brings riches at this time. May we be those who focus on what is eternal and resist the lures of our day that take us away from focusing on Christ. And may we think of others and, get, and be God's people to them who need to know him. And may we be, may God protect us from being drawn away to things that are so short-lived and lead to harm. 
And may we be focused on Christ's return and his coming and the eternal amazing kingdom where we will enjoy the best riches forever and ever. Let's pray.